Welcome to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get help and guidance through the chaos of parenting a child with anxiety or OCD. This show is for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the guidance of a qualified professional. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. I hope you're doing well. I always like to start with that because you just never know. You know, people have a rough time out there. Today, we're going to be talking about a topic that is hands down the most common question I get. It's the most common struggle that I hear, and it has nothing to do technically with anxiety or OCD. And that is, how do I help my, and I'm going to say anxious child, but I really mean a child with anxiety or OCD with their anger, They're having really difficult behavior. How do I handle that? They seem angry all the time, or, you know, they're not normally an angry person and they're exploding regardless of whether your child has a history of being dysregulated. They don't know how to handle their anger, or since they've gotten these struggles, they have been uncharacteristically angry or having meltdowns. And you're like, what is this? I want to talk to you about how to approach anger in a, an atypical way, in a counterintuitive way that is necessary. If your child has anxiety or OCD, parents often try the playbook version of how to approach anger with their kids. And sometimes they hit a brick wall because of the things I'm going to talk about in this episode. So we're going to dive into that. Before we get started, I do want to thank NoCD for sponsoring this episode. They are doing so much good work out there. People get access to care at an affordable rate. So I'm super excited about the services they're providing. They are actually now providing therapy in not just all of the states in the United States, but the UK and Australia as well. So if you want to schedule your free 15-minute consultation with NoCD, See if it's a right fit for your child. Even just get an assessment and see where it goes from there. You can go to www.treatmyocd.com or I will leave a link in the show notes and check that out because I get so many messages about people not being able to find an OCD therapist. And I'm always like, have you tried an OCD? And more often than not, they say, no, what's that? So now you know. Before we also get into the way to handle anger in somewhat of an atypical counterintuitive way, I want to make sure that you're not missing my survival tool series because it's already happening and you might just be listening to this and didn't listen to last week's episode or the week before. And you're like, what is she talking about? So I do this series twice a year. It's survival tools for parents raising kids with anxiety and OCD. And I basically help you figure out where you're at, where your child is at and where you should be headed. And I give you a roadmap of exactly where you need to go and where you need to start on your roadmap because that will look different for each people, each person, each people. Oh my gosh, that speaks much, not so much. So if you've never taken that series or if you just want to take it again, it's not too late. It started last week. It started on May 6th, but I make everything that I do accessible to parents at any time when I'm doing something. So I make videos that people can watch on demand during the series because I get it. I don't have time for that kind of stuff. I want to watch it at like 11 o'clock at night when my kids are asleep. And I bet you're probably like that too. You want to watch it at your own pace, at your own time. So you get links to the videos and you can go to the video. There's a series website where you can watch the videos. If you want to get totally like gung-ho into it and really get 
bang for your buck because it's a free series. You can join the Facebook group and I'm in there. It's a pop-up temporary Facebook group just for the series. And I'm going in there the day after each video is released and I'm doing a Facebook live, really highlighting the main points, answering people's questions. We're doing Amazon raffles and I'm giving away my classes for free. We're making it fun, but that's definitely an added bonus if you really want to, you know, tap into these free resources that go in depth. So if you haven't signed up, you can text the word, one word, survival tools to the number 44222, and I'll sign you up just through the phone. Or you can just go to the sign up page, and that is atparentingsurvivalseries.com. I hope to see you over there. We would get to know each other because I would be in the Facebook group and you can ask me questions. So let's talk about anger. I want to start with being able to understand that some of your child's anger is going to be typical because they're a kid. And so a lot of times when we have a child with anxiety or OCD, we see either everything from the anxiety and OCD lens, or we forget to look through that lens at all. And we don't see anything through the perspective of anxiety or OCD. And a lot of us are in the middle, right? So the first step that we have to recognize is that our kids are still kids and they're going to have typical anger issues. They might get upset that they can't have that extra cookie, or they might be upset that you're telling them to get off Roblox, or they might be upset that you don't want them to watch YouTube, or depending on your child's age, they're going to get upset about developmentally appropriate things when we set boundaries or when they have to do something or they're frustrated. So there is that. And there are a lot of kids who have some comorbid dysregulation that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with anxiety or OCD. They just have a hard time regulating their emotions. I would say my middle child has you know, anxiety, OCD. And then also I think he has some dysregulation that gets flared up by all of his other issues and he has pans. And so pandas and pans also does have that element of dysregulation and meltdowns and severe mood swings. So it's a mixed bag over here with that, but there are kids that just get angry. And so the first thing we have to do when our kids are upset, and eventually this becomes automatic is we have to look through the lens, we have to have two filters. So when my child is melting down or if they're spewing anger, I have to automatically look at it from the concrete situation that's going on. Okay. My child is freaking out because I told her to go brush her teeth. What the heck, right? Why is she so upset? And then I have to look through the second lens. And this is the part that a lot of us don't do, you know, my anxiety and OCD lens. And so I'm looking at what's happening to her, what just happened I mean, it sounds like a lot, but it can happen automatically, right? I'm looking at what just happened. What was she doing right before this happened? What am I asking her to do? And is any of that in her anxiety or OCD themes? And I'm going to do an episode next week on why I feel like it's helpful to know your child's anxiety or OCD themes, why we don't want to get stuck with themes, but why they can be an added asset and bonus and why it's kind of critical, I think, for parents to really understand their child's themes, not to the point where they, you know, put their child's theme in a box and they don't see other potential themes popping up because that's the risk. And we'll talk about this next week, but this is one of the reasons why I think it's really helpful. So if I know, let's just take my daughter again. If I know that one of her themes is being afraid of the mirror and she's currently having, and this is, this is a a past issue, but um, it's a good example. We're not dealing with this one right now, but we have. So if she's currently in the throes of Bloody Mary and the mirror, and she's stuck on that, I'm going to pause 
And I might say to her, and this is a good thing to say anyway, if you're really not sure, uh, you don't have to do this for every little thing. Like if I tell my child to get their shoes on and they're playing Roblox and they're getting annoyed, I don't have to say, well, what's the hardest part about putting your shoes on? It's pretty obvious. I was in the middle of a game and I don't want to get off. I'm just being a kid. But if my child always goes and brushes their teeth and then now they're giving me a really hard time and I don't know why, maybe it's out of character. Instead of swooping in and moving right into our discipline mode of, I say, go brush your teeth. You need to go brush your teeth. Or I'm going to count to three and you're going to go brush your teeth. Or if you don't brush your teeth, you're going to lose electronics. In a perfect world, and I am by far not perfect, so I'm going to tell you what to do. It's not that I do it all the time. In fact, a lot of times I miss the boat and so will you, and that's okay. It's just good for us to know in a perfect world, what would be a really good way to handle it? (laughs) And at the end of this podcast, I'll tell you how I lost my complete crap on my kids (laughs) last week and really modeled really ugly, angry behavior and probably scared the school too. (laughs) Stay tuned. That'll be at the end. But in a perfect world, we would want to say, you know, what's the scariest part about going to brush your teeth? Now, what I'm doing in that is I looked at her behavior. It's not typical for her, right? So it's not out of the blue or it's not just happening the last few months. It's not like she's always resisting brushing her teeth, like since she was two. So it's new, newish behavior. And it does potentially hit one of her anxiety themes. Now that sounds long-winded, but you can do that in like a, a millisecond, right? You can just look at the situation. You can assess it pretty quickly, especially as you get used to doing this for your child. And you can say, this requires me, or this would be good for me to ask her. What's the hardest part about going to brush your teeth? Now, what you're listening for is a typical answer versus a non-typical answer. So I want to hear, is she going to say it's boring and it's stupid and I'm tired. I don't want to go do it. Or is she going to give me a little clue that it's her anxiety and OCD? So she might say what I just said, right? Which, and we'll go into this in a second. She might just still just try to squirrel me. Some kids who are not communicative and maybe are too proud, don't like to admit that they have anxiety or OCD issues. And so they might throw a squirrel at you. (laughs) I don't know what I'm calling it a squirrel. You know, they might just be like, it's boring or it's stupid. And if you know your child and you know that they're not always open with that, then you're going to still take that with a, a grain of salt. But let's go into the other category. Let's say my daughter says something like, it's dark. Or she might say, it's scary. Most of the time with my kids, and I don't know, your kids might be different. They don't give me the whole enchilada. I mean, it would be great if they did. It would be like, there's a mirror in there and the mirror scares me because lately I have been worried about Bloody Mary and I've been worried about Bloody Mary because there was a girl two weeks ago who talked about it at recess. They don't do that. We have to pull, (laughs) but they give us a little thread and then it's our job to take that thread and pull it farther. So, you know, if I'm hearing an anxiety answer, it's dark or I don't like the mirror or if I'm seeing anxiety-related behavior, they go into the bathroom, maybe they say it's boring or whatever, and I make them go, and then they're running in and they're running out. Well, that seems like a fear-based behavior. So I'm giving that as an example, but put your own examples in there. There can be a million reasons why kids get angry. So it can be for three categories, right? So our kids can get angry because they're typical kids and they're having a typical, appropriate, developmentally rough moment. They're going to have those. It could be because they're triggered. And so I'm asking them to do something or they have to do something that is triggering their anxiety or OCD, a direct trigger, right? So go to the bathroom, brush your teeth, 
direct trigger. Go to the dishes. I have contamination issues, direct trigger. Go hand this to your dad. Your dad, you know, the dad's contaminated, direct trigger. Sometimes we don't know that until after we see the meltdown and realize they were triggered. The third one is just more of an OCD storm or an anxiety storm where I'm building up the stress of the day. I have all these upsetting fears or thoughts or feelings, and they're growing and growing and growing. And then you just ask me something simple and I lose it. It's not that you triggered me in that moment. It's that I have been a stress ball and we can all relate to this. That's what happened to me this past week, which I'll go into later. So we're going to handle that differently. So when it's typical, we're going to handle it with your typical parenting response, whatever that is for you. I'm not here to ever tell people how to parent. You know, I just don't like when other people tell me how to parent. And I feel like it's not a cookie cutter thing. All of our kids are different. Our parenting experiences are different. Our approaches are different. Our beliefs are different. And that is okay. So whatever you do, you do you, right? So if your child's being normal, typical, common, then you do your typical parenting stuff. It is very good to still have boundaries and expectations that are consistent. Whatever is consistent in your house, that's very good for anxious kids because they know what to expect and you're predictable. So I would say that, be consistent. Now, I don't want to spend time talking about typical. I want to spend time talking about what to do when they were triggered or what to do when it's just an OCD or an anxiety storm. And I'm calling it that because that's different than a tantrum. It is different than just having anger. It's like I have just been a volcano and now I'm spewing lava. And we're going to go into what to do with that. Uh, Being triggered can turn into that meltdown or into that storm, but I want to talk about them a little bit differently. So if your child's being triggered, so you ask them, what's the hardest part of, and they may or may not tell you, and that's okay. You know, we don't want to depend on their response or their answers to go to the next step. Because if we do, then you're going to say, well, you know, my child didn't say what triggered them. And so I didn't, I, I didn't know what to do with that. We don't want to depend on the kids in order for us to go to the next step. So even if they don't say anything, but you know, I just told them, I'm trying to think of an example. Gosh, my brain doesn't work today. You know, I just told them to go do the dishes. Let's just use it simple. You know, just replace whatever I'm saying with your child's issue. I told them to go do the dishes and I forgot, you know, that, or as they're having this huge meltdown, I've realized that there's food in in the sink and that makes them feel disgusted and disgust OCD is one of their themes. And they asked for gloves and they are starting to gag or whatever. And so they're giving me signs, obviously, that they're in distress. And when I said, what's the hardest part about doing the dishes? They said, nothing. It's stupid. I don't like doing them. But I can obviously tell that they are having like a, an OCD response. So just use your best judgment. When it's a direct trigger, like you're telling them to do something or they have to do something, it is good to not address the behavior. It's better to address the anxiety and OCD. So let's just go back We're going to use a very simplistic example so that my brain can handle it, but I'm using this for simplicity's sake. It will be different for you, but let's just go back to the bathroom one. It's very easy for me. So if my daughter, and this, this did not happen, I'm just going to use this as a pretend example. If I said to my daughter, go brush your teeth and she normally brushes her teeth fine. And she says, I'm not going to do it. And she starts throwing things. And then I said, go do it. And I hate you. You're the worst mom ever, or maybe she's being aggressive, or maybe she's not overly aggressive because I don't want to address that because it's no matter what, it's not okay to ignore violence or physical aggression. So not that because safety is very important. Let's just say she's being disrespectful. She's being mouthy. I'm not going to address 
the mouthiness, I'm going to address the fear underneath it. Because a lot of kids, when they're in that fight, flight, or freeze mode, they want to squirrel you. Not that they're like plotting and planning, but they kind of do want to squirrel you because they don't want to deal with the fear. And to deal with the anger is much better. So when you get squirreled and you go there and you start talking about, don't don't talk to me like that young lady. And if you keep talking like that, you're going to lose your electronics or you're going to you know go to bed early or whatever you normally say. Or even if you talk about it in a, um, a different way, you know, like that hurts my feelings and that's not okay. And I, I don't talk to you that way. Whatever you do at home, you're missing the point, right? And you're missing an opportunity because in those moments, that's an opportunity to walk them through the thing that they are being triggered about. And so calling out that behavior, now some of your kids won't like this. So you have to kind of adapt this to where you're at with your child. But for my daughter, I would say something like, I know the bathroom is scary for you. And I know that mirror is really scary for you. And we call her anxiety and OCD O-Cloud. And so I would probably say something like, your O-Cloud doesn't want you to go in there. And if you don't go in there, it's going to be harder to go in there the next day. And your O-Cloud's growing and it's getting bigger. Now, as I'm saying this, she might be like, I'm not going to do it. I don't care if it's my O-Cloud. My O-Cloud's stupid. When they're already triggered, they're pretty (laughs) non-engaged. Let's just put it. That's like a, a nice way of putting it. So I might maybe curtail too much of my talking, or I may not because I'm helping them connect the dots. So my daughter, who may not have realized that she is in this fight flight mode and that she is having an anxiety moment, she may not realize that she might just really be angry. And so connecting the mind and body for our kids is very helpful. Even if they get mad and they're like, that's not true or whatever, you know, sometimes you have to scale it back when you get big reactions because you're just pouring salt on the womb, but initially connecting those can be very helpful. And then you move into coping mechanisms. And so you walk it through. And so in this situation, I might say, I know that's really scary for you. And so, and we have, and this episode isn't about how to set up behavior modification programs or incentive programs, but I talk a lot about that in other podcasts. I go into it in detail in all of my online classes And I actually have an entire class on difficult behavior. So if you were not aware of that and you're like, I want to dive much deeper into this, I want like step-by-step instructions on what she's talking about. I actually have videos for for your child to watch and I have videos for you to watch. Uh, You can see all my classes at atparentingsurvivalschool.com and you'll see my anxiety, OCD, difficult behavior. I have one on sleep, one on moral OCD, one on social anxiety. I made a lot of them. So you can check those out, but uh, I would want to walk her through that. So I might say in my house, because I already have a behavior modification plan set up that's built into our daily structure. I might say you can earn a point for going to brush your teeth because I understand that that's scary, but you can be brave and you can earn a point. Now, if I see now, sometimes my kids will just be like, not going to do it for a point. There's no way it's too scary. I don't want them to have this lose feeling. I just lost this all or nothing feeling because anxiety and OCD really hurts self-esteem. And I did a whole episode on self-esteem a couple of episodes ago. What episode was that? I've actually done a lot of self-esteem episodes because it does impact their self-esteem. So episode 206, how self-esteem plays a role in anxiety and OCD. Episode 91, how to boost your child's self-esteem. And actually episode 12, very back, far back, five things good parents do that actually hurt self-esteem. So Check out episode 12, 91, and 206 if you're looking for how to improve your child's self-esteem as well. So 
I want my child to win. So if I'm setting up these challenges, I want them to feel success. So then I might say something like, um, cause I can tell, and I'm sure you can too. I can tell when it's, a, it's a no go. I'm like, I'm trying to be like a used car salesman. I'm negotiating and I can tell there will be no purchase. <laughs> you know, they are not taking the bait. They are not going to do a challenge. So then I might say, I know that it's really hard. Okay. If you can't go in there by yourself, what if I stood by the door and you went in by yourself? So I'll try to find a sweet spot where they can feel successful and they'll still earn a point. Um, I don't think they're getting one over on me. I can read my kids really well and hopefully you can too. I want them to feel success. So here I am standing by the door, but that's still a win for their child because they're feeling like I'm still doing something hard and I'm not punishing them for the words they said to me or how they talked to me. I am actually helping them build the skills, connect their mind and body. And I seized an opportunity that was bad and I made it good. Now, we're not all going to do that in a beautiful way all of the time, but when we can, wow, that's powerful. That's a total win. Okay, so use that and apply that in whatever way makes sense at your house. And it may not be beautiful and perfect and packaged like that. It gets messy. It may not work the first time. Your child might get really nasty. They may not respond well, but you know what you can be doing to help them. We don't control how they respond to those things, but we know what we can do to help. And I think that sometimes it's important to remind ourselves that we can only control ourselves and how we interact with them. I wouldn't go back and discipline her anyway as well, because I get that question a lot. Would you go back afterwards then and discipline how she talked to you? Not if she was in a total blind, triggered rage based on anxiety and OCD. I wouldn't go back because that was like a side effect, a symptom. It was not, even if I punished her or we processed it, it wouldn't matter because she was in such a heightened state. She wasn't even aware of her actions. Now let's talk about the storms. These are out of the blue for no reason. You say, you know, here, turn roadblocks off or whatever. And a huge meltdown, a huge storm ensues much bigger than what is developmentally appropriate, maybe much bigger than what they normally do for themselves. And what do you do with that? That's hard. Now I do go through that in my difficult behavior class. I do talk about educating them on, I call it red swirls and understanding how like their anger is growing bigger and what to do with that. But the other thing that I talk about in there, and I'll just kind of give a bigger briefer, oops, I just hit my microphone. I'm sure that didn't sound good. (laughs) Sorry about that. I'm, I'm like, my hand is expressing and no one's watching me. So it makes no sense. It's like, I'm Italian, but I actually am not. So I talk about zones in the class. You know, I made zones for my kids. We actually haven't done this in a long time because it's happened kind of organically now. And that's, that's the goal is that a lot of this stuff seems very, I don't want to say contrived, but it seems very like, I don't even know the right word. Not, I don't even know. I can't even think of the right word, but over time, these things become more natural and happen organically. And so you're not having to give points all the time. You're not having to like create these zones. It seems very orchestrated, I guess is maybe the right word. And what I found in my family and in the families I've worked with is that these things eventually become part of the fabric of your household. It's just something that's, we don't even think about behavior modification and challenges and points. It happens naturally. We still have points going. I use an app and we still do it, but it's very natural. It's not something I have to give a lot of thought to anymore. And the zones, my kids just naturally go to these zones. So a zone is just my my word for having spots around the house where 
my child can go when they're feeling really angry. Now, every kid is different. You have to kind of figure out your kid's anger language. Um, You know, we talk about love languages, but what about their anger language? (laughs) I just made that up, but I think it's pretty good. So my son's anger language is like to burrow himself. He becomes like, what are those called? (laughs) Oh my gosh. I like my memory is so bad. Uh, It will not be a retreat. Oh, like um, prairie dog, right? He becomes like a prairie dog. He like buries himself. And so he wants the deep pressure of something. He wants to be cocooned. He wants to cover his face. There's some like embarrassment around that. He doesn't want to be touched or talked to. He just wants to go by himself. That's his anger language. That helps him. If I try to talk to him or touch him, I am putting oil on his fire and he will get more heated. My youngest daughter's love language, anger language, excuse me, and her love language actually is touch. And so if she's crying, And no one comes to her. She gets very upset because she's like, why hasn't anyone noticed that I'm having a hard time? The same thing for her anger. Her anger language is you can reset her with a hug. You can reset her with an an apology. And so knowing that is very helpful. So a zone for her would be good, but she has to get the physical hug first. She has to be reset. Sometimes I don't feel like she wants a hug. She's really prickly, but then my intellectual brain kind of like overrides my heart and I say, you need to hug her. I'm like, really? And then my intellectual brain's like, yeah, you need to hug her right away. And I'm like, okay, I'll try. And I'll be like, come here. Do you want to hug? And I'm expecting her to like push me or be like, no. And she like, she nods. Yes. Almost every single time. And even when she says no, I still hug her, which I would not advise if you really don't know your child or a child who doesn't want hugs. Cause that's not respectful. But with my daughter, she will lean into it and she will, she will feel better. Or later she'll say, why didn't you hug me? And I said, you told me not to. And she'd be like, but I wanted a hug. So I know that that's how I reset her. But then the zones, fancy name for just places in our house that my kids know they can go to reset. We use the word reset a lot in my house. You need to reset. It's not like go there and think about what you've done or go there because you're out of control and we can't deal with you. It's like go and reset. And so the reset areas are different for each kid. We have outside throwing ice is a reset. We have a huge beanbag in the corner. That's a reset. Now, as they're getting older, their rooms can be a reset. My son likes to go to his room um, and then he hides in his closet or behind his bunk bed. That's his reset. Um, I know if he's upset, that's where he's at. Let's see what else we have. Like we have one of those pod swings, you know, where you're kind of like a cocoon. And so that's a reset area. Now they're not using that as much, but they used to. So Find what areas you have in your house and have your child define what areas would you like to be, you know, and you can name them. You can call them zones. When I started to do this with my kids, I would say, go to a zone. And I would be like, you know, you can go to your, the pod swing. You can go outside and throw ice. These are your zones. Which zone do you want to go to? We don't talk like that anymore because it's just become natural. My son will go grab a bucket of ice, you know, or he'll go to his room, but it used to not be like that at all. My daughter, she likes to be kind of, you know, go and go to my room and lock the door and get all bundled up and get cozy with your iPad. And I wouldn't recommend locking doors if you feel like your child's not safe or they're not okay. She doesn't like to be bothered and she likes me to treat her special when she's trying to reset. And so her getting some special time and saying, go to my office, my home office, or go to my room. Those are my spaces. And so that feels special to her and that helps her reset. The other thing you want to do in those zones, and we did this in the beginning, we don't have this really anymore, is have stuff in those zones. So have paper they can rip 
or have crayons that they can like draw really heavy on, or if they like adult coloring books, or if they need headphones to tune out the noise. Um, My daughter always needs headphones when she's angry because she has a lot of sensory issues. And the first thing I try to do is just put headphones on her so that she doesn't hear anybody else because she's, she, if you even breathe near her, when she's upset, she gets worse. Now, when she's upset, she goes and she grabs her own headphones. So put things in these zones, if you can, or one zone that are helpful for your child and don't guess what they are. Have your child do it. You know, what things would you want in your zone when you're angry? And then don't be upset when they don't use them because these are seeds that you're planting and they may not want to use, you know, those amazing squishies that you put in that zone. They might actually use that to throw them at you. I don't know, but it takes time. And so what you're doing over time is teaching them that it's okay to be angry. It's just not okay to hit people or do things that hurt other people, but you can go and reset in your other area. And if they need your touch, that's fine. As long as they're not being abusive, you have to set those firm boundaries because you're not a punching bag. And that's really important. And then you don't have to process it afterwards. If your child doesn't want to process it, I think sometimes we start talking about it and then we bring up all the anger again. And then now they were reset and now they're not again. So sometimes it's just good to just leave it alone. Now for other kids, maybe a day later, or maybe a couple of hours later, depending on your child, it it can be helpful to go back and be like, I really like the way that you went to your room and you went to your zone, or I really like the way you went outside and threw ice or, you know, reconfirming it's okay to get angry. It's just not okay to throw things at people or it's okay to get angry. It's just not okay to like scream things at people. So we want to validate the emotion that it's okay to have those emotions. It's not that anger is bad. It's just what you do with it. And it's okay to go to your zones or take care of you. And if those zones are in your family area, cause they don't want to be away from you. That's okay too. As long as they are not being abusive to you or the other kids. Sometimes I'll use pop-up tents in my practice as an idea for a zone, especially for kids that don't want to be away. Um, They can have their special pop-up tent and that can be something they can go to in the family space. And so if you have a small living area, you can just buy like a $10 pop-up tent and have it closed and then you can pop it open if you need it. So there's always options. I've had People use closets and put like heavy pillows in there and um, some headphones and things that would be helpful for the child. You can find and be creative with the spaces that you have. Okay, so I know that none of that will go in a beautiful way, but I think it's just good to start having these things and thinking about these things in a way that can help you. Now, the third thing I wanna talk about is modeling, which is the part where I throw myself under the bus. We can use ourselves to model these things. We can use ourselves to model how to handle anger. And when we lose our cool, how to talk about it. I was going to tell you, was it, what t- today's Monday? Okay. So last today's Monday. Yes. Okay. I'm recording this on Monday, May 3rd, but you won't hear this until the following Monday, but the Monday prior to this last Monday, I just had, I don't even know what happened the night before I got overwhelmed. I had tried to take my kids to an art show you know, we were going to drive through an art installation and I couldn't find my way. And my husband always navigates and it's very triggering for me. And we wound up just going home and I woke up with like just this anger and this grief and grief is so messy. It just, I hate it because it's like, I feel like I can't, I'm not predictable even to myself and I could be great. And I have a really good facade. I'm very good at compartmentalizing because of my own kind of dysfunctional childhood, which is, you know, a whole nother story, but I'm good at putting things in boxes 
because that's how I was trained as a kid. And so I'm good. I like, I can do this podcast. I can go back to work. I can put things in boxes and function. And then I crumble because just like our kids with anxiety and OCD, it like builds and it builds and builds. And then it has to get out somewhere. And even though I'm doing a lot of my own grief work, uh, Monday was such an ugly day and I lost it on my kids, like lost it. Like I'm not a screamer at all. And I screamed so loud that my throat hurt. Like, and it felt good in that moment because I was so pent up with just grief and anger at the world. And, and it wasn't fair. It was just not fair at all to my kids. And, you know, dropped my daughter, dropped both my kids off at school. And, and then she was a mess because she's like just this sponge of empathy and she's like this empath. She just soaks up everyone's emotions and, you know, she's going through a lot herself. And so it was a mess. I had to go pick her back up. She was throwing up, you know, cause I created all this stress in her. So it was horrible. Um, and then I felt guilty the whole rest of the week. And then she had a really horrible rest of her week and, and it was, it was bad. And, you know, one thing that I was learning through that, or I'm trying to still learn from that, you know, is, you know, going back and I talked to my kids and I was like, that was not okay. And it was not your fault. And, you know, it opened up a lot of conversation. And the funny thing is my son, who I have been working with since he was like probably born on how to, you know, regulate his anger and how to handle his emotions. He's like, you know, mom, you know, maybe we should have a code word when you're feeling stressed, or maybe you should go throw ice outside, or maybe, you know, we can create like a zone. You know, <laughs> he came and he like gave me all the advice I've been giving him for years, which at the time made me really sad because <laughs> I thought, oh my gosh, I'm destroying my kids. But then as I've had more space from it, it made me feel really proud. Like, you know, sometimes I thought he wasn't listening to me and I thought that I wasn't getting through to him. And here he is like regurgitating everything I've taught him. And he's been doing really well with his anger lately. I mean, so good that it felt nice down the road. You know, I mean, some, when I had some space from that day that he knew the things that I should even do. And so we had a conversation about that. We've had a lot of conversations about that. So it did open up a lot of dialogue about, you know, that we're all human and we're, we're all going to have really ugly moments and like life isn't perfect and it, it will never be perfect. And I can't even promise. And this is what I said to my kid. I can't even promise you that I won't have an ugly moment like that again. Just like you guys can't promise that you won't, but we do what we can do. You know, we come back and, you know, we, we apologize. It doesn't make it okay as far as like what I did to you, but it makes, it lets you know that I'm aware, you know, that that was a struggle for both of us. And it makes me want to work on, you know, I need to be more in touch with, and this is kind of what I was telling my kids and it's, it's modeling, it's modeling from a bad experience, you know, and you can model from a good experience, but you can also model from a bad experience. So that was probably, honestly, that was like the worst parenting moment. That's got to be one of the top 10. <laughs> I mean, I would have to say that's probably the number one out of my top 10 countdown of worst parenting moments, because I just lost it so bad because I was just. I was imploding and then I was ex exploding and it wasn't even about them. But I mean, honestly, it's to be expected. You know, my husband only, it's only been three months since he died and I'm here alone with three kids, no family out here. It's just a sprinkle of friends. No one who's coming in and doing things for me on a daily basis. So it's, you know, I have to give myself some grace, but sometimes that's hard. And we want our kids to give themselves some grace. And if, if we don't give ourselves that, then how do we expect our kids to do it? So gosh, this life is so messy and we learn from our own experiences and the humanness of all of it is just crazy. But we did have a lot of good conversations from, from this bad moment. And I was even talking to my son last night about it. And I was saying, you know, I'm trying to like 
be in tune with my body and like recognize when I'm starting to feel stressed? Are there like some signs that were happening before that, that explosion? And so that I go and reset, you know, I go to my room or I go to my zone. I take care of myself and I, I move away and try to regroup or, you know, what do I do in those moments when I'm angry? So use yourself as a model when it's good and when it's bad. I think a lot of times we don't use ourselves as a model when it's bad and you're human, just like I'm human. And I am no mother Teresa. And I, I'm sure you're not either, because I don't think anyone on this planet is going to be perfect all the time. And we want to teach our kids that life is, is imperfection, you know, and that's okay. Like we're perfectly imperfect. Right. And that's just part of the process. You're going to have anxiety, no CD, and you're dealing with a lot of stress and you're going to feel like you are going to explode sometimes. And sometimes you are going to explode and that is okay. It's just what you do with all those anger feelings and all those moments. And sometimes you're not going to do the right thing and that's okay. Try harder the next time. We'll try, we'll try again the next time, you know, tomorrow's a new day. And we have to say that to ourselves. And I have to say that to myself that not every day is going to be perfect. And sometimes we're not going to handle our kids anger. Well, sometimes we're going to meet their anger with our anger and we're just going to wake up the next day and we're going to, you know, dust all that history off and we're going to start again. And that's what I have been doing over here. And it did turn out to be a better end of the week once I was able to forgive myself and my daughter started to do a little bit better. And I did some, some, uh, I'm trying to think of the right word, some reframing for them, you know, and some corrective healing of like what that was about. We're moving forward again, just like everybody else in life. So I hope you found this episode helpful. I hope that it kind of opened your eyes up to look at anger in a different way, in a more complicated way, right? Because anger, a lot of times, isn't just about anger, right? My anger in that moment was about grief. It was about loss. It had nothing to do with my kids. They were the brunt of it, but they just happened to be available. And so sometimes your child's not lashing out at you or their siblings or at the cup at the sink or going to school. It's about their anxiety and OCD. And, and we want to not miss that boat and miss that opportunity to process that at some point. So uh, if you are enjoying this podcast, don't forget to hit a star on iTunes or wherever you consume your podcast or leave a comment. I love when people leave a comment and let other parents know how this podcast has helped them. I want to thank KGS for writing our view. They wrote, thankful. Natasha is so easy to listen to. This is an amazing way to put life with an anxious child into perspective and reground us as parents. It makes me feel so understood and validated every fear and struggle I have as a parent. Even if you don't have a child diagnosed with anxiety or OCD, this is a must listen for all parents. Thank you. I appreciate that. So if you have something nice to say, maybe I'll be reading your review next time. So don't forget to find the sparkle in everything you do, even those ugly moments. And I hope to see you in my series. So sign up for the series at atparentingsurvivalseries.com. You can catch up. The first video is already out, but you can watch all of them when you sign up. All right, I'll talk to you guys next Tuesday. Take care. Thank you for listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. To get additional support raising a child with anxiety or OCD, visit Natasha's online school of on-demand classes at atparentingsurvivalschool.com.